Hi there, and welcome to my podcast, Growing Forward Together. My name is Kenita Skripsma, and I'm the founder and CEO of SEMA Global Consulting, where we do transformational coaching and understanding culture workshops that help promote inclusion. So if you want to know more about what we do as a company, please feel free to go to my website at www.semaglobalconsulting.com for more information. So today's episode is titled Broken Bodies, and it's actually a revised version of what I did a few, um, a few months ago, um, but I revised it to reflect our situation in the pandemic right now. Um, this blog was written several years ago, several months ago actually, I should say. Time flies, doesn't it? And posted to my old site that is no longer available. Because this topic is very personal to me, like I said earlier, I have edited, edited it to reflect our current situation of the pandemic and our inability to join others in our respective communities of faith. So I think I might be stepping on some toes and please know my heart, that is not my intent. This is my experience and my, um, just my learning of how we're handling things as um, a community of faith and wanting to encourage people to do things differently going forward. and. Um, you know, in keeping with the title of my podcast, Growing Forward Together, I hope that by reading this blog um, and listening to the podcast, you will be encouraged to grow forward together. So I just wanted to give you a heads up on um, where this all stemmed from. So in 2016, I had a vision of vines growing from inside the church building and popping the bricks off the structure. If I was the only one that had the vision, I probably would have questioned it further. However, a close friend of ours, who is much more seasoned in age and experience than I am, had a similar vision. I sensed that the vision was God putting us, providing for us as the church with a caution, that if we didn't change the way we were doing things within our congregation in regards to care for people, then the vines, which were more like weeds, that were choking and dividing people rather than uniting them would push against the bricks, which would represent the people, out of relationships and connections. These bricks would then be divided, resulting in them being separated and ill-equipped with what they need for, for the body to thrive. So if you are a believer and somebody who attends um, or is part of the Christian community, I just want you to think about what it feels like to be separated from um, fellow believers, from attending together in our congregations, in the context of our buildings. And I just really want you to consider that maybe it is really true that we aren't an institution in the community only, but we are the body. And it's about the people. It's about the people that make up our congregations, that we are the church and Christ is the head. Now, four years later, after having that vision about the vines, and along with the whole rest of the world, we seem to be experiencing this firsthand, aren't we? Our church buildings are closed, the doors are locked and off limits, and the people have been relegated to their homes in their communities. So what do we do now? Let me just preface by saying my vantage point is the Christian church, and it is in a Western context of what's going on. However, I want to encourage you to think about your own faith community. Are you part of a faith community? How does it feel to not be meeting together um, in your congregations? 
where are you at, what are you doing differently, and um, let's just all kind of level the playing field and talk about our faith communities and that I come from a point of, um, or a vantage point from the Christian faith. So I found this picture. If you go to my uh, website, you'll see on the blog, actually, there's a picture of um, Barbie dolls separated. And in this case, it's four Ken dolls. Um, nothing personal against men. It just was a picture that my friend had on her Facebook page. And with her permission, I'm using it to illustrate my thoughts. So for sure, be sure to go to the um, my website and look at the podcast or the blog post, I'm sorry, um, of the same title, Broken Bodies Revised. So hopefully by now, if you've had the chance to look at the picture, um, you've recovered from the poses and the absence of certain body parts. Since pictures speak a thousand words, I will leave it to you to make the connections you need to. At first, when I saw the picture, I had a flood of emotions. After processing some of those thoughts, I knew that as a writer, I would need to take a deeper dive into unpacking them. Broken bodies. That's what those are. That's what our churches feel like. That's what our communities of faith feel like. Broken bodies. This picture reflects missing or broken limbs, missing body parts, so much detachment. Based on many conversations I've had recently, it seems that this is how the people in our churches were feeling before the pandemic, broken and detached. I know of people who had gone missing from their faith communities and no one noticed. Some had detached themselves from, um, as, or parts of themselves because they, they didn't feel like they fit or belonged. Sadly, I was one of them. I was taking deeper dives into my story and realized that I had some reconciliation work that I needed to do on my own. And I didn't have anyone that I could really share these pieces with. Others simply moved on to other churches or communities that accepted them willingly. And some simply drifted away altogether. Now, all of us are either experiencing an extended stay-in-place order or a full lockdown. It seems that we are experiencing an increase in this brokenness and disconnectedness more than ever before. Now I have to say, I've been talking to some of my international friends and asking them how they're handling it. And man, I am impressed. They've had some creative ways on how they are handling being connected in the midst of this brokenness and disconnectedness of our faith communities. We could learn from them in the West. Can you relate? Do you know someone who's feeling that way too? That they're feeling broken or disconnected from their faith community? They're feeling disconnected from their friends? Perhaps even from um, just maybe even in the midst of their faith journey, they're feeling a disconnectedness from God? Can you relate to that? During this pandemic, when we have all been relegated to our homes and neighborhoods, we run the risk of forgetting about many who need this sense of community more than others. Have you forgotten them? Well then, what are you going to do about it? Aren't we as believers called to keep the body together? How are we to do that when we are unable to commune together physically? Sometimes I might say, well, it's pretty simple. Just do this or do that. I'm sure we've all been guilty of kind of finding out some simple responses. I don't know that this is really simple, but it is a response. And my answer to this is, be the church. Be the church. Church is who we are. 
not where we go. I should say, it's who we are, not just where we go. Because in all honesty, it is an institution that's needed in our communities. But sadly, so many forget that it's not just a building. So be the church. This phrase has brought me great comfort and challenge over the years, and it bears repeating every day of every week, not just on Sundays, so that it grows deeper roots into our hearts. You, if you're listening, really listening, and if you're a believer, you are part of the church. You matter to God. We are all made in the image of God. And I think for believers, it is really important that they reclaim their identity that you reclaim your identity as a believer and be the church. You know, for some, we are the church is not a new concept. But for those who have taken great solace in the church building, simply as an institution, they may have missed the truth that the church is who, not a what. I know I've probably repeated myself like three times now about that concept, but it's really crucial In this time of this pandemic, I feel like so many folks have been challenged with what their identity is and who they really are and how they need to be during this time. And it is simple. Be the church. It bears repeating. I need you to be the church. She needs you to be the church. He needs you to be the church. They need you to be the church. And we need you to be the church. On a personal note, I continue to dig deep to forgive those who weren't willing to consider the vision that I shared with them. But I have come to understand, and I hope you do too, that God is God and I am not. I am human and sometimes I get the facts or the timing wrong. But I gotta tell you, that vision has been burned in my spirit forever. So here we are, four years later, and so many people still don't know what to do. Or more importantly, They don't know how to be the church. And yes, that truly breaks my heart. So what will it take? You know, for those dolls in the picture, all they need is some good duct tape or the right kind of glue or some other strong adhesive to fix what's broken. But how can we be the church now that the doors are closed and our buildings are unavailable and our bodies feel like they're broken? Here's how. Practice inclusion. Yep, I said it. I made the connection to the culture work. I have to. I'm passionate about that. And it's actually a great connection because if you practice inclusion, more people feel like they fit and belong. For some of you, that will be difficult because you weren't practicing inclusion before all of this happened. That's okay. If you're not offended by that statement and you're willing to learn, there's hope. I have a few suggestions. Make room, make time, share. First of all, I want to encourage you to make room at the table. Don't be exclusive and shut people out. Maybe you get to be the answer to the prayer in someone else's story. During this pandemic, when we have a stay in place order, we are not allowed to have people over. So schedule a Zoom, Skype, Google Meet time with them and eat your lunches or dinners, or if you are so inclined, have a glass of wine or your favorite beverage in your own respective homes in order to comply with the order and be together. 
Consider how you are setting the table in your relationships and circle of relationships. Do, you, do people feel welcome? Do they feel fed? Will they experience inclusion? Meaning, will they fit and belong at your table? Or will they experience just another form of forced assimilation? Meaning that they just can't come as they are. Make room at your table. For more on that, you can also check out the other blog I wrote and the podcast called Setting the Table. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Here's another way, make time. So making room at the table, make time, and this is how you might do that. Prioritize your life so that you have room for conversations you might not otherwise have. Learn technology so you can connect with someone else. Perhaps you become their lifeline as they face the loneliness and abandonment during this time. Even though the belief is that we have more time on our hands, our priorities are still being redefined. You are not alone in that. I have been challenged countlessly several times over these past weeks about my time. And I gotta be honest, I'm not always spending it in the wisest ways. Partly because I'm getting tired. I'm getting tired of the technology. And so I'm having to restructure my time so that I can be available and more efficient and effective in my relationships. Three, share. Share food, resources, ideas, encouragement, prayers, whatever. Don't hoard, share. If we haven't made time and if we haven't prioritized, we're not gonna be able to share effectively. And we might not even know what we have to share if we're not making time or making room at the table. See how they all connect? So many people say we are in this together, but I gotta be honest with you, are we really? What does that look like in your story? I just feel like we're not sure that we're in this together. I see many people questioning, are we in this together? And for them, they just wanna bail and they wanna cut friends out or break relationships because they are questioning if they're really in this together. I've been guilty of wanting to do that. I've actually had to quiet some people on my social media um, sites because I just can't handle the, the, uh, the fighting and the arguing. It's not enough, it's not okay. How are we gonna do this differently to show that we really are in this together when we are separate? So what does that mean to you? To me, it means that we are in this together. We are all going through this together. Just that each of us is experiencing it differently and uniquely. And it pains me to see how many people who claim to be Christians are treating those less fortunate around them in poor ways through resources or experiences. My heart just breaks. Can we please come together and be the church? I do want you to know, since most of you don't know me personally, that this extrovert isn't angry or bitter. I'm just coming to a point in my life where I am humbled by a vision that I had four years ago, and I myself am convinced of different choices that I need to make as a result so that I can be the church to my community and the people that are in my life. Because I will be held accountable for how I handled this time and who I'm going to be going forward. 
So here are a few suggestions to help you re-enter <laughs> whenever that will be. Man, I think we're on our third stay in place order right now and I don't really see any end in sight, but that's okay. I have today and I wanna do things differently today. So assuming that you have a proximal relationship with somebody, meaning that, you, that you've had conversations with them, that you are in relationship with them to a point, or maybe that you're just part of their same church community or the same faith community that you're part of. When we re-enter, here are some suggestions. Please don't say, hey, you look good. Everything must be going well. That is so painful because I think you and I both know that we're doing the best we can. Each of us is doing the best we can to get through this difficult time. Instead say, I've missed seeing you. How have you been? and actually please wait for the answer. Did you know that silent and listen have the same letters in it? They're just in a different order. Please listen. Here's another one. Don't say, I was giving you your space. That's why I didn't call you or connect. Instead say, I'm sorry I was not able to connect during this pandemic. Will you please forgive me? Or at least something that sounds like you're willing to step into their mess with them and have learned something during this time. I know I have not been able to be tangibly involved in the lives of some folks, and, and I regret that and I feel bad. But I also know that I pray for them often and I let them know at least that much. Are you willing to step into their mess when we re-enter? Because I know for, for a fact, I'm gonna have some mess to clean up after this is all over, because my story is growing forward. How about you? If you want to learn more, you may go to my website and check out the blog post of the same name, Broken Bodies, and on it at the bottom I have a link to a document that I've written up titled Inclusion Enhances Belonging. I would love for you to go check it out and download it. Please contact me um, for any questions or if you'd like to have a dialogue further. I hope to do another podcast with responses to this topic. Um, and so if you would like to contact me for um, having a conversation about this, you might be that person that ends up on this podcast um, through a dialogue that we could record and post as a way to share with the rest of the world how other folks are also dealing with this time of feeling broken, feeling separated, feeling disconnected. Um, so here's my encouragement to you. Let's do our part to fix the body. Are you ready to do your part? I most certainly am. Thank you for joining me. I hope to hear from you. Please feel free to contact me through my website at simaglobalconsulting.com. I look forward to hearing from you. In the meantime, stay safe, stay healthy, and do your best to stay connected. Hello and welcome to my podcast, Growing Forward Together. My name is Kenita Skripsma and I'm the founder and CEO of SEMA Global Consulting. I'm also an international speaker and author and am passionate about leadership development and culture. So if you want to know more about what we do, please feel free to go to my website, SEMAglobalconsulting.com and I would love for you to contact me through the contact page and uh, see if our company can serve you in any way. Well, today's podcast is about being still because you know what? It's a jungle out there. 
You know, given the world that we live in currently, we have a global pandemic that is slowly but unsurely showing signs of clearing up. We have racism at an all-time high, fractured relationships, broken families, increase in domestic abuse, and the child trafficking stories that we're hearing are on the rise. So how do you find peace amidst all of that? How do you rest? How are you learning to be still? What does it look like in your story? I'm going to tell you a little bit about my story and some things that I've learned along the way about how to be still. Now, it hasn't always been an easy journey for me, um, and especially during this pandemic, um, it feels like, and I think you can relate, that everything in our stories has been turned on its head. So the things that we felt were normal before or our typical routines weren't so much the case anymore. Or the things that um, you know didn't work for us maybe are the things that we're able to implement differently this time. But getting back to this, be still. What does that look like in your story? And um, you know, I just want you to be encouraged today and maybe find some new ways of being still and finding some clarity around what that looks like in your story. So as much as this is needed in all of our stories, it's kind of a funny one for me sometimes. And here's why. So if I was talking or writing about this several years ago, I wouldn't even know where to start about being still. And here's why. I had so many people in my life telling me how to be still, what to do during that time, and where to be still. This was problematic for me because I didn't agree with many of their ideas that they gave me. Now don't get me wrong, I'm not not teachable. <laughs> I am, and just because I didn't like their ideas didn't, didn't mean I wasn't gonna try them. So the reason I didn't agree with many of their ideas was because I had tried them and I didn't like them. <laughs> they didn't quite work for me. I didn't get the peace that I was desiring, the calm, the stillness that my heart and soul needed. So, you know, I wanted to learn and I wanted to learn from other people because I figured there's gotta be someone out there that is able to understand being still in a way that I could learn from. And so I was also looking for doing it different in my life. So I just felt really unsettled about their ideas when they came to me and I couldn't figure out why. So I took a deeper dive into some things of my story to figure out what does being still look like in my story. You see, their ideas themselves weren't wrong or bad. They just weren't a good fit for me. In fact, some of their ideas would actually cause me more anxiety than peace. I'll share more on that later. So in this post, in this podcast, depending on if you're reading it or listening to it, I would like to share the how, what, and where to be still in a way that might help you discover for yourself, according to your wiring, what that looks like so that you can achieve the most peace and grounding. And by wiring, I mean your personality type. Are you an introvert, an ambivert, an extrovert? What number are you on the Enneagram? If you've heard of that, it's a great test. The DISC personality test and so on. I happen to be an extreme extrovert. And for those who know me are probably chuckling right now. You see, I'm energized by people almost to a fault. I'm also an eight on the Enneagram, which makes me a leader challenger. So uh, sorry to tell you this, but leaders and challengers don't sit still very long. And my DISC profile shows up as an I slash D, which is influencer and dominant. I'm thankful that the influencer came up higher than dominant on that test. 
I have learned that this requires a lot of self-control and creativity to be still in spaces where my wiring wants to take over. I remember a friend years ago had said to me, wow, moss does not grow under Kanita's feet. You know, she was right. I was always on the go. And if not physically, then mentally, emotionally, creatively, always coming up with ideas. In fact, I would often tell people I'm a big ideas girl. So that's helpful to know that I'm a big ideas girl and I'm passionate about the details, but sometimes the details bog me down. So it's hard to be still and really pay attention. So being still, who's ready to do that? See, as a child, that phrase being still often showed up at parent teacher conferences where the teacher would tell my mom that Kanita has trouble being still in class. Yes, that left a scar and probably a trigger to the phrase for years on wanting to do it my way, wanting to learn how to figure out to figure out how to be still on my own. I didn't need a teacher to tell me how to do that. I needed to learn it for myself. And I'm sure I'm not alone for all you listeners out there. Well, here's to adulting. As I got older, being still became a pursuit of sorts in my daily routine, in my spiritual life, in my relationships, in my heart and in my soul. I hear so many people say, oh, I just need to be still, but can't seem to do that. It made me wonder if they would benefit from understanding their wiring and hearing some new ways to do so. I know that helped me to understand my wiring, realizing that I'm, I'm an extrovert and I need to be with people to energize from that in order to get rid of the stuff that doesn't matter and then be still in spaces where I can allow the creativity to flow. And I've also learned that being still is not instant. It has to be cultivated over time, like a habit. So like I said earlier, we're in this pandemic and some of our habits have gone out the window. And one of the habits that has gone out the window for me is exercise. And again, I know I'm not alone. I'm hearing a lot of folks struggling with that as well. But this being still piece did not leave. I have continued my morning routine of getting up with my coffee and my journal and my Bible and just spending that time focusing, surrendering, confessing stuff that um, I've thought in my heart or my mind and just kind of allowing um, for me, it's a spiritual element, we're allowing God to just do his deep work in me and being still. So that's kind of non-negotiable in the morning. As the day goes on, when I find stressful moments, I continue to cultivate that. And sometimes being still for me is listening to music and just sitting on the couch quietly and maybe singing along with the song too. <laughs> but yes, being still, allowing that space to just center myself and be calm. So being still is learning to embrace a deep calm and stillness in your heart. You are able to experience it in other areas of your life as well once you do that. When I think of parenting and I think of all the situations we had where um, particular kids were out of line or acting out or um, being very challenging in those moments, um, how's that for sounding gracious towards my children? <laughs> um, I really needed to learn how to have a deep calm and stillness in my heart. I really needed to make sure that I wasn't reacting to their situations, but that I was responding. And so, you know, learning to embrace a deep calm and stillness in my heart, um, it really impacted how I parented. It impacted how I responded to my husband and not react. It helped me learn to respond to a lot of these things that we discussed earlier or that I shared earlier that have been going on in our world. And 
It doesn't mean those things will go away, but it means that I'm able to stay calm, catch my breath, and then be open to how I can respond in any particular situation. So perhaps you've already discovered ways of being still that work in your story, but I would like to continue to share how I've learned to embrace a deep calm from my narrative. And just to let you know, if you would like to send me an email about some ways that work in your story, I would love to hear from them. And, you know, maybe you end up on my podcast at some point and we can talk about what that looks like in your story and maybe some suggestions that you have might be encouraging to others as well. So let me answer it, the what, the how, and the where of being still. And it'll all be kind of generally in this area. So because I like to approach things holistically, I need to consider being still physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. So being still is a practice that calms our hearts to the core and even though it impacts a variety of areas, it can be attained in different ways. And what I mean by that is sometimes if my head has full of ideas and I just don't have an outlet to put that out, maybe I'll go for a walk and listen to some music. Or maybe I'll go for a walk and talk to a friend on, the, on my phone. That way I'm engaging with a friend, but I'm also you know, addressing my physical need for a walk. And so I'm dealing with my phys physical, mental, and emotional spaces. So physically, I sit quiet with my hands open and my face up as a form of receiving and surrendering. I also physically rest by taking a nap and making sure I get the right amount of sleep every night during this pandemic. I have had way too much of this. <laughs> okay, so mentally, I take an inventory of my thoughts, dumping the negative thoughts and replacing them with positive thoughts. I journal, journal, journal. I journal because it is a way to talk and get out of my head while helping me take every thought captive. Because when I see these thoughts that are in my head on paper, all of a sudden they don't look very realistic anymore. And so it's an opportunity for me to clear my head and not sit around with an empty mind. But when I journal, it allows me to put the thoughts somewhere and feel that writing and brain connection that my mind and my heart and my, um, my body needs and my brain needs, and it helps me process. And so mentally, I choose to be still by journaling, and it really helps to get those thoughts out and clarify what these negative thoughts are and replacing them with positive thoughts. Emotionally, I'm really honest with my feelings, and for those who know me, uh, so I think sometimes they would rather I wasn't as honest, but it's just, it's so important for me to be honest with my feelings, you know, the good, bad, and all the ones that make me feel stress inside. And so I just, I think that's really important that when I can be emotionally honest with myself, then that's what I'm gonna pour out to my friends, to my husband, to my kids, to my business partners, to um, clients that I work with, and it's an opportunity to then build for them this reciprocal emotional honesty. So ladies, if you're listening, I just wanna help you think of something. Considering our hormones and their impact on our emotional state is extremely significant. Um, I think they, there's a whole series on information around that, um, but I just think it's really important that when we're feeling a little off emotionally, it might have something to do with our hormones as well. In my younger years, I would ignore the negative emotions in hopes that they would go away. They did not. They actually grew. I eventually learned to welcome them and then surrender them so I would not fuel them in other ways. I have come to believe that negative emotions are like the check engine light on the dashboard of a car or a smoke detector. 
both doing just that. They're warning me that something is wrong. So if you start to feel anxious in a situation, that's a check engine light. Anxiety might be that check engine light for you of what's going on behind the scenes. Or even um, anger might be a um, warning light on the dashboard that might show you that there's something else going on. And when we can get a handle on our emotions and when we can be still in the context of our emotions, then we can um, respond more effectively than, rather than react. I get that so much is going on in our world today and in our relationships and in our own personal stories. And I think in general, people tend to be a lot more reactive. And so I just implore you to take some time out and deal with your emotions and maybe get a coach, maybe get a counselor, maybe talk to a trusted friend, journal, find ways to, that work for you to be emotionally healthy. Another area is spiritually. Now, I know that as a follower of Christ, and I'm a Christian, so my spiritual um, being still will look different than yours, possibly. But I will just share what works for me and what, um, and for the, the, the listeners that also can relate as Christians um, from a spiritual context. I spend my time in the Bible reading and learning what God wants me to do with the chaos in my heart and my mind. Let me say that again. I spend time in the Bible reading and learning what God wants me to do with the chaos in my heart and my mind. And so depending on what is going on in my story, I grow in faith and trust that God already knows and he will lead me to confess, forgive, surrender, or take physical action to reconcile with someone or something that is externally in my life. And so I journal during that time as well because I want to watch growth. I want to see answers to prayer. And that in return helps me stay still and be still. And this is a tricky one because I think a lot of us don't know how to do it. And it takes a lot of submission. It takes a lot of surrender. um, And it takes a willing heart. This is what I was going to share. I allow the Word of God to do its work in me. Right? So the word is allow. Allow requires us to submit and to surrender. It's to give permission to let God do what he wants to do in your story. I also want to add in this space that Psalm 4610 says, be still and know that I am God. And I just want you to know that it's important to recognize that the be still part that it's referring to is telling the enemy, Satan, to be still. It's not necessarily us being physically still. It's a verse that is telling us that we have the power within us to quiet the enemy. The enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy our minds, our hearts, our story, and what God has been planting and growing in our hearts and in our stories. And so we have the opportunity and we have the power, we have the ability to tell the enemy to be still. So if that then um, is something that you can practice, acknowledging that in your space, when you're spiritually getting grounded and learning to be still, I really want to encourage you to embrace the fact that we have the power in Jesus Christ to silence the enemy. And as a result, it then allows you to be still in other areas of our lives. And that's a bonus. So several years ago, I made an interesting discovery in my journey of learning to be still. I did not like quiet places. Yep, I just said that. I did not like quiet places. 
And you're probably thinking, wait, how do you be still if you don't like quiet places? Yep, I was asking myself that same question several years ago because I felt like I couldn't find and I couldn't resonate with other folks about um, you know, being in a quiet place physically. So let me explain. So I don't like to go to cottages or sit by streams or really even take walks through the woods. Those places are way too quiet for me. I find myself getting agitated inside with the slightest thought of those places. This does not mean I do not like to be quiet or times of quietness or stillness or calm. I actually relish those moments, but I prefer to escape to busy cities where there's lots of people and the lights and the noise that they carry on in rhythm. And so, yes, feel free to laugh out loud. <laughs> I can't hear you. But here's why. I can hear so much better in those environments. And so for those who know me personally know that I love the concrete jungle. To me, I see it as noise canceling. It's a noise canceling experience for me. I have had many healing and creative moments in a city environment. It quiets me and inspires me at the same time, and I feel safe. A cabin in the woods or by a quiet stream does the exact opposite. You see, I'm wired as an extrovert and I'm a big ideas girl, and these ideas are rolling around in my head all day long. In fact, just getting to recording this podcast, I came up with six things I needed to jot on a piece of paper because I needed to get on with my, my task at hand, which was recording this podcast, because this home is really quiet and I love it, but the ideas just keep rolling. And so I need to be in an environment where the external noise is similar to what's going on in my head and my heart. And so I'm able to just be at peace and rest in the context of busy places, busy cities, um, when I am pursuing my own personal rest and quietness and calm on the inside. What can I say? I'm an extrovert and I need people and the ideal surroundings for those times in my life when I need, especially when I need greater peace and stillness. And this pandemic has been really difficult for me in that because I've had to learn new ways of cultivating that peace and stillness within my heart. I have come to learn that my external surroundings used they used to have, um, they used to negatively impact my internal space and they no longer have that control over me. And I believe the same can be true for you. So as the saying goes, it's a jungle out there, friends. My question is, what does your view look like? And is it filling you with peace, calm, quiet, and stillness, or doing the opposite? Just a couple questions for you to ponder as you continue on in your own journey, learning to be still. What do you need to do in order to be still? What are you willing to do to gain a deeper peace in your story? Well, here's to growing forward and learning to be still because it's a jungle out there. Thank you for joining me. And I just want to keep um, encouraging you on your journey to be still. Please contact me through the website. Um, and I would love to have a conversation with you. I would love to continue to unpack this with you if you need that. And um, yeah, and perhaps uh, you'll end up on my um, podcast where we can kind of discuss maybe other ideas of what can help you be still and how you might want to encourage other people as well. Have a blessed day.